0: Hello, this is Kenny, and welcome back to the McKills Deck Chronicles. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at truthseekers2012 at gmail.com. So today we're going to talk just a little bit about the days of Noah, and what were the days of Noah like? One of the reasons I chose this topic today is that there is a very similar circumstance to what happened in Noah's day as what is happening currently in our day and some of those different things that I'm talking about which I'm going to try to sum up without oversimplifying it but one of the things the first thing is the population of man did you know that the population in Noah's time is thought to be about the same population as we have today I think that's pretty interesting considering the second thing on the list is the wickedness of man. So what we have today is lots of wicked people running around, probably about the same number that equaled back then in Noah's day. And last but not least, the third thing is the genetics of man. Now, I know you're thinking the genetics of man, you know, surely genetics isn't really mentioned all the way back in Noah but I believe if you actually read it and pay attention we have something going on back here in Noah's time just besides the fact that we had a huge population and the earth was completely covered with wickedness not only that we had some genetics going on genetics that was engineered by Satan and let me read you the scripture and you can decide this for yourself so over here in Genesis chapter 6 So, the part really where it starts getting interesting is here where it says in verse 4 there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. So, what that means right there is I mean, the most obvious, easiest explanation would be. That basically angels came down, you know, or I guess you would call them demons at this point. You know, they came down and they were actually able to take on human form. And basically they bred with human women and they had babies. And see, this was never intended to happen. God never wanted that to happen. So these babies that were born were of, you know, they were giants. They had other features that regular men didn't have and this is where you get into the genetics part you see satan and his devils and demons actually were able to alter the dna of humans by crossbreeding. so they crossbred with them and created giants and these men of renown which is you know like old old stories of some big strong guy you've heard of you know all these old gods of way back when where people talk about these mighty men that killed these things and killed dragons and all the above. Well, well, that's what was going on back then. So not only do we have a high population, basically every thought of that population was evil. And if it wasn't bad enough, they were all intermarried with these demons, basically. And so we've got these giants running around and other things. So that's why it mentions in, in Genesis, you know, it talks about, um, in verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. What I would, what I would ask you to think about is when it says perfect in his generations, um, that can also mean Intact. And, you know, possibly Noah and his family were still genetically intact. They had not interbred with these demonic beings, or whatever they are, and had giants and, you know, bizarre anomalies. They were still 100% human. And that's one of the reasons why it was only him and his family that were allowed to get on that ark. And we're going to talk just a little bit about that later is how we're going to compare this to what's going on in today's world with genetic modifications so if a person was to ask what does noah's day really have to do with our day i mean you can go back and look at prophecy from jesus in matthew 24 where Jesus himself talks about the last days before his return will basically be like the days of Noah. You know, He goes on to say, Jesus does, says, but in the days of Noah were, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away so shall be the coming of the Son of Man be. So what we have here is, again, we're comparing this to today. So we have the population, we've got the wickedness, and we possibly got genetic, genetic mutations. Jesus here is saying, before I come back, it's going to be just like in the days of Noah. You're going to have all this stuff going on, and people are going to be totally oblivious to what's going on until that rain starts falling, and then it's too late. So we also have a comparison over here in Luke 17, uh, chapter 26. We have a very similar one here where it talks, um, and it says, As it was in the days of Noah, shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They eat, they drink, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now this one goes on to say, Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they builded. But the same day Lot went out of Sodom. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So a side note on this I wanted to, whenever we talk about the rapture, is we compare rapture to like Lot's time and Noah's time, is the righteous people had to be removed out before God's wrath was poured down. So like in Lot's time, God did not destroy Sodom until he had pulled all of the righteous people out. So that's, that's also something to take note of right there. So what that boils down to is the judgment is not meant for the righteous. It's not meant for the church. The judgment cannot come down until the church has been taken out or in this case, raptured out. So basically, in this New Testament stuff here, the situation is that we have Jesus comparing Noah and Lot's day with our day at the time of the end, before he returns. So we can kind of start comparing what it was like in Noah's day compared to what it's like now in our day. So the main one of these that I wanted to talk about and explain more is the genetics of man. So we've went over a little bit about how genetics could be changed in noah's day but how do you think genetics could be changed in our day i wonder i wonder how many different types or how many different number of items could be installed in a person repeatedly over and over for years before it actually starts to modify their dna Why do you think in the book of Revelation, when it talks about man willingly taking the mark of the beast, that it's non-redeemable? I mean, it's pretty explicit in the book of Revelation that those who take the mark will be cast into a lake of fire. I mean, they're doomed and damned. There's no hope for redemption or salvation for them. So, why do you think that is? Possibly, and this is just a possibility once they take this mark it's something installed into their body and changes their dna and now they're outside the scope of salvation and redemption why because they're no longer human their human dna has been altered so think about it jesus became a man a human man and he became a man to redeem men Okay, so now you go and willingly take something and put it into yourself that somehow alters your DNA where you're no longer a man or human. I'm talking about men and women here, of course. So, possibly, once your DNA is altered, you're not eligible to get whatever's offered for other humans. So... The Mark of the Beast seems to be very, very important that you do not take it. So I don't think it's a coincidence that part of this new age that they are trying to usher in is all about merging man with machine. They're trying to get men integrated with these machines, like you know the metaverse and stuff. They're trying to get it inside of you now, basically transhumanism. And they're not, of course, they're not even trying to hide it. They're, they're saying that it's, you know, beneficial, you know, for you to upload, you know, your parts of your brain into a computer and have this stuff inside of your body, that it's beneficial to you. You know, that's what they're pushing here. They're pushing this new technology. And if this is true, why do you think Satan would want to corrupt man's DNA? Well, he did it once before, and the ones that were corrupted were destroyed. And so now we're trying to do it again only, you know, in a new age here. So if Satan can corrupt the DNA today as he did in Noah's day, then man may not be redeemable. Anybody who has been completely corrupted is no longer redeemable. If there's any truth to that, I mean, where do they get this intelligence and this technology to be able to do this stuff to begin with? Well, I believe that this artificial intelligence that they talk about all the time is actually satanic intelligence or demonic intelligence. That's where this intelligence comes from. I mean, you don't think that Satan knows how the human genome works and how to alter it? I mean, where do you think all this technology is coming from? I mean, it wasn't more than about 120 years ago. They didn't even have automobiles yet. And not very much before that, we didn't have electricity. And now here we are with gene splicing tools and all kinds of RNA and DNA modification stuff and talking about transhumanism. So it's come a very long way in a very short amount of time. So now back to Noah's day, they didn't really have the technology, obviously, that we have today. So there's nobody sitting around on computers trying to figure out RNA and DNA with this satanic intelligence. However, Satan was still there, and he still wanted to get it done. And he did get it done. He did it with demonic activity. So he's doing the exact same thing, just in a different way. So he's using different means, but it has the same result in the end. And the result is to modify man to change him from being human to what God created him. So one of the other things that compares us today back in Noah's time also in Hebrews 11.7, it says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, He moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So, in the midst of all this stuff going on back then with Noah, by faith, God told Noah to build an ark. And it took 100 years to build it. I mean, the people that have done the research on it say that it took 100 years to build it. Now, keep in mind, Noah's building an ark he is building a boat on dry ground in the middle of nowhere telling people of an impending flood telling people it's gonna rain he is telling this to people who have never seen rain before you can only imagine how he was mocked and ridiculed and people thought that he was a raving lunatic I'm sure so people who have done the research on the pre Flood world have discovered that it had probably never rained, like I was saying, and nobody had ever seen rain. And it's believed that there was a canopy of water or possibly ice that actually covered the earth. And this canopy actually did all sorts of things to make things better. That's why they didn't have to have. You know they didn't have to have roads or houses or anything because the weather was perfect they didn't have all these same problems that we have today with bugs insects and animals attacking you animals and people were vegetarians prior to the flood so you didn't have to worry about being attacked and you didn't have to worry about bad weather or getting rained on or getting cold the weather was nearly perfect and basically the earth was watered with a dew that came up or settled down on the earth, you know, to water everything. So we're talking totally different conditions, conditions that were great compared to today. And so it's in the middle of these conditions, out in the middle of nowhere, that Noah is building his ark. So again, how we compare today back compared to Noah is we too, Christians, are like Noah. I mean, we're preaching that the rapture is coming that the day of the Lord is going to come and we have the same type of scoffers and mockers just like Noah did. They didn't believe Noah and the people of today don't believe us the people back then had never seen rain or anything like it and they thought it was ridiculous most people today they can't even fathom the rapture they've never seen anything like that they're like well we don't we, we don't believe that. We've never seen anything like it. So why would we believe it? Of course, that's the exact same thing they said of Noah. And also today, I believe, just like it happened in Noah's day, you know, when the rain actually started falling, it was too late. Then they were like, uh-oh, and it's going to be the same exact thing today. Once the rapture happens and we're gone, the Christians and the church are gone, The people that are here remaining are going to be like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, then it's too late. Now, as I've said before in other podcasts, you know, is the government going to try to cover that up? I think they are. I think they're going to use some bizarre excuse to try to explain the disappearance of all these people. And I think it's probably going to be aliens or something like that are going to be cast as the villains that actually abducted these people or whatever. But point of the matter is, is when the rapture happens, these people, they're not going to believe it because they've never seen it. And then it happens, and so now we've got to explain it away. And of course, for the people that are left behind, it's too late. Now, in the Bible, of course, it says, you know, in Noah's time, the earth was judged and destroyed by a flood. Now, God promised not to destroy the earth again with a flood, And he gave us the rainbow as a reminder that he would never do that again. However, it gets worse. I mean, he is going to destroy the heaven and the earth with fire. And he's going to destroy them both because they've both been infected with sin. They've been touched by sin. And they're useless to him basically now. So, he is going to create a new heaven and a new earth after the seven years of tribulation he talks it talks about the new heaven and earth after he destroys this heaven and earth with fire so in other words when the tribulation starts if you're still here you've got seven years before jesus comes back and destroys everything with fire so you're not going to have anything here on earth is not going to last anything past the tribulation it will be burned up so you're not going to be able to hold on to it and of course if you're not saved prior to the tribulation then you'll be stuck right there in it and probably get killed so the only way out for sure would be the rapture before god starts pouring out his wrath is you need to be able to get out just like lot just like noah so again we're kind of like noah's day now is we know we've been forewarned just like noah was he knew there was a flood now he didn't know exactly when it was going to be he was told to start preparing start building that ark and it took him 100 years to do it but we know that this tribulation is right around the corner i mean we see all the signs we've been given but the only people that can see that are people who are saved who actually want to know um the other ones the other people who are not saved and not filled with the Holy Spirit, they're willingly ignorant of the flood and the coming judgment. They're willingly ignorant. They don't want to know the truth. So having said that, I mean, we know based on the times, based on what everything it says in the Bible, the times are getting really, really close to that end-time game. I think that we're right on the cusp of the rapture happening any time. So, if that's true, which I believe it is, I mean, what do you think? Are you ready? If that rapture happened tonight or next week or or tomorrow or whenever, would you be ready? You know, what is it going to take to get ready? I mean, and avoid you know getting burned up with everybody else because you know when that tribulation starts. And those seals start being opened I mean we can go over that sometime and talk about those seals and those vials and those trumpets but they're horrible I mean people are getting burned up they're getting I mean it's just unbelievable how many people die in a very short amount of time so it's not anything you'd want to be a part of now the only way to get out of that is to be saved and, you know, it's really, really simple, and it's totally free. And I've, I've mentioned this on another couple of podcasts, but it's called the ABCs of Salvation. All you do is A, admit you're a sinner, B, believe Jesus is Lord, C, call upon his name. I mean, now you really do have to believe that in your heart, and only God knows what you believe in your heart. So you can't just, you know, rattle off something like that and not even believe it or anything. You actually have to believe it but it's really just that simple i mean we've got a little prayer that goes along with it It says dear heavenly father i believe that i'm a sinner and that jesus died for me and paid for all my sins on the cross i believe that jesus rose from the dead i ask you to forgive me of my sins i put faith and my trust in jesus and ask him to be my lord and savior i want to live my life for christ i understand that my salvation is not based on works but is based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank you for saving me. Now I want you to understand something, is you don't have to have repented and be a good person prior to getting saved. Okay, if, if you had to do that, then lots of people would have never got the chance. The thief on the cross did not have time to repent. He simply believed on Jesus and was saved. You don't have time to get your life together. You don't have time to clean up your act and become a good person before you get saved. If that's the kind of stuff you're waiting on, you will never get saved because you're never going to be able to clean it up. You see what I'm saying? Yes, you can repent after you've got yourself saved after you have asked jesus christ to come into your heart and say you believe him you know you can worry about cleaning the stuff up later but do not worry about cleaning up your life and your act before you get saved because it may be too late then i just wanted to throw that out there if anybody tries to convince you that you have to repent of all your sins and clean up your act and you've got to do all this stuff and then you can go get saved well, the thing is, that's, that's not what the Bible says. All you have to do is believe. You know, the repentance and all that comes later after you're saved. After the Holy Spirit has come into you, then, you know, you can start worrying about that stuff. But you need to worry about getting that Holy Spirit into you first. And the only way you're going to do that is by believing in Jesus Christ and calling upon His name. So anyway, I sure hope this helped somebody today. Um, We've got some other ones coming out pretty soon, so I hope you stay tuned for the next one. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.